Hello and welcome to the Talking Flutes Extra Pods, the kinda odd flute podcast sandwiched each week between the Talking Flute Pods by Professor of Flute at the Royal Academy of Music in London, Claire Southworth. I'm Jean-Paul Wright. This week we have a really interesting podcast, which I've just this moment finished recording via Skype with the groundbreaking New York-based flute player Greg Petillo. You may know him better as the famous beatboxing flute guy and member of the Project Trio. But before we listen to more of the interview, we've received a question from an Anna Constance who seems to be confused by how you would choose an upgrade flute. Well, Anna, firstly, you will need to ask advice from your teacher as to what they would recommend. And then you obviously need to ascertain your budget. Once you have those two, arrange to visit a specialist music store, which will have a good selection of upgrade flutes for you to choose. Once you get there, I would recommend that you play your own flute for a few minutes just to reacquaint yourself with the tone that you currently have and then slowly test each of the step-up upgrade instruments that have been laid out for you. I personally find that playing the same phrase or piece of music on each flute that I try helps a little bit to give me an idea as to what I'm feeling and hearing. If you're there with somebody, then ask what they hear as you play each instrument. Also notice how you are feeling when you play each. Is it hard? Is the sound production quite stuffy? Do you really have to push it? If you're alone, then you can use your mobile phone to record, but make sure that you don't put the phone too close to the flute, though. It will sound awful. If you are drawn to one or two, if you find you are drawn to one or two of the brands of flutes which you are testing, then concentrate your energies on these. When you are testing them, what is the tonal flexibility of each like compared to each other? on their own. Can you push the sound without note cracking? How far can you push that note? Can I see myself progressing on this instrument? And most importantly of all, can I get to love it? In the unlikely event that you are in any way not convinced with any of the flutes you are testing, then don't buy there and then. It's as simple as that. Look elsewhere and at other flute brands. Flute upgrades are expensive, And so you have to invest your future music making and your hard-earned money in an investment that you really gel with. This is London Calling, London Calling. Greg Patino, come in, sir. Come in. Are you you reading me? Uh, I'm reading you loud and clear. Yay! Yay! All right. Hey, Greg. Long time no see, my friend. Yeah, great to chat with you. Yeah, it must be nine months now. What's the weather doing in New York? beautiful perfect spring weather keep you on your toes light jacket weather you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's fashion fashion forward over here man it's, it's fashion, beautiful fashion forward do you know nothing ever changes with you you are the person that comes along that is a you've got time for everybody but also it smiles yeah well music is an enjoyable uh, pursuit is it not and uh if I have any platform whatsoever, man, I hope to inspire others. So if my playing isn't cutting it, maybe my personality will work. 
<laughs> if your plane isn't, yeah, your personality and the <laughs> and the way you present yourself it always always works. Now, I, Greg, I've been you know I've been wanting to do a podcast with you for ages, as you yeah. are the most requested flute player for me to do a pod with. So, thank you so much for taking valuable time out to have a how do we say in England a chit chat or a chin wag. <laughs> No, I'll go with chit-chat, but we can chin-wag too if that's what you got. Yeah, chit-chat, chin-wag, have a gossip. Um, <laughs> talk about Greg the person, because there's more to Greg than people would probably see on the internet. Oh, probably. I'm up to all sorts of things, I guess. Yeah, but just that you don't necessarily now, you don't follow the the the, the normal route of uh, flute playing, you know, with the uh, the bow tie and the tails, and you've ventured out. Yes. But what you've done, and we'll cover this in a minute, is that you've enthused, and the, it's what you've done and become famous for, which has now been embraced by the flute playing fraternity around the world. Who would have thought that, eh? Hey, uh, not me. Totally amazing. Uh, <laughs> You know, I have a really solid classical past. You do. And it's funny that, that this is what I do now. I'm kind of known as the beatboxing flute player. But had you told me even in college that that's what I'd be known for, I wouldn't have even known what you meant. You know, I really developed that as I became an adult. And it's wild how things turn out, isn't it? They, they, it is. And, um, yeah, we're going to cover the San Francisco part in a moment. But before we do that... Before we do that, how did all this begin? When did you take up the flute and why? Because let's face it, you're a cool dude and you're obviously a cool dude when you're a kid. So what made you take up, what made you take up the flute and not the drums or the guitar? Uh, I went to public school growing up and I knew if I made it to the fourth grade, I could join the band. And I oh. thought that was really cool and I don't really come from a musical family. And so, you know how it goes. Uh, this was back before the internet. They sent a brochure home with like all the pictures of the instruments on it. You're supposed to, you know, circle it and send it back. And me and my mom, we had a discussion about what we would work on. You know how it goes. It's a youth. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, we chose the flute. I thought the, I didn't know anything about the flute. I thought the flute just kind of looked cool. You all hold it sideways. And what, what are you doing with those lips anyway? And, <laughs> you know, like it was a super mystery. And, uh, and I felt like I'd really pulled one over on my mom because she, she actually rented me an instrument. Wow. And uh, I got involved in the school band program. And I, I, I actually I felt like I wanted to learn more. I wasn't learning fast enough. And so we got some private lessons and I loved them. And, and curious enough, the lessons I got when I started were Suzuki flute lessons. Oh, wow. I'm sure maybe you've heard of the Suzuki program, but their kind of big push is that you learn everything by ear in the beginning. You know, you work with your teacher by ear how to learn all the tunes in the book. And I had already learned how to read music at school. Uh, so we kind of did both. We did some ear training and I got the book and got to use it if I wanted to as well. But, but actually that set me up for a life of, of having pretty decent musical ears. And then even by the time I was in middle school, you know, trying to impress my friends with my flute playing, I could like play all the pop tunes from the dance on my flute because mm. you could just hear it and figure it out, you know? And, and that's something that the Suzuki method kind of, uh, instilled in me as a as a positive thing to do 
you know, you don't really always learn to do that in band class, but, but that's what I learned in my lessons. And so I've always kind of had this, this double side where I do what I'm supposed to in class and with my teacher, with my lessons, but on my own time, I could just use my ears to figure out whatever I wanted to play. I didn't even need the sheet music, especially if it was just pop music, you know, I could just figure it out on my own. And I always thought that was, that was a gas. What's really interesting is you actually took up the flute because you thought it looked cool. Yeah, that's right. It's true. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what it sounded like. Is I've, that important? <laughs> I've never heard it called that before. <laughs> you, oh man! Now you make it cool. You have made it cool, but you know, I, I've my, my story is very different to yours, and it, I just think it's great. It is. Uh, so, what age were you when you took up the flute? Oh, uh, that would have been about. I was nine years old or so. Ah, took it up because it was cool. I can't think of a better end to that question. Um, you, are known, <laughs> <laughs> you are known by many as being the beatboxing flute guy, but how many of our audience know and really appreciate that you really are a ca- classically trained and have been an acting principal of flute of a symphony orchestra, Greg? Crikey, how many people have, know that? I, I don't know. I have no idea what people know about me, but, but it's true. I made a solid go at an orchestral career, and uh, I could never quite uh, get the job I wanted. I I briefly had work in China playing in Guangzhou Mm. uh, in their orchestra, and it was such an amazing instrument. I spent the summer in mainland China, and this was in 2002, maybe. Crikey, that's before China opened up, wasn't it? It was really. Oh, wow. Well, it was, uh, it had, uh, you know, Hong Kong had just changed over a couple of years before. I think that was in 99 or so. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, man, it was a wild trip. I actually flew into Hong Kong and like uh, crossed the border at like a migrant crossing. It was a whole wild, with a party official. It was so wild. Uh, but I spent a, a summer over there playing and they gave me the job, but I, I felt like I, Honestly, I felt like I still had a lot to grow musically, and I didn't want to be in a community where I, you know, wasn't being in, inspired by the people I needed to be inspired by. I, I felt like I still had a lot more growth with my classical playing, and I felt like uh, also that maybe there were other types of flute playing that I wanted to get into as well. So I wanted to come back to the States, and when I did, that was about the end of my classical music career. Man, I couldn't find work. I couldn't find work doing anything. It was terrible. A doubt actually about quitting that job, uh, and it's it's. Um, I'm very lucky that things worked out the way they did. Yeah, I mean it's a full circle because you get top some of the top uh, flute players in the world actually coming to you for lessons now, which I think is really really funny. Um, Greg, tell me about the time you decided to give it all up and venture to the beautiful city that I love, San Francisco. And what this time yeah. in this vibrant and creative place did for you? Yeah, sure. I, you know, had all of this classical music background. I had moved back from China. I'd spent another year in Cleveland. This is where I went to a conservatory and grad school. And uh, I decided that I was a, a young man in my mid-20s. And I wanted to just move to the coolest place I could think of and really try to try to jumpstart a performance career. And I moved to California to what I thought was sunny San Francisco. But San Francisco is actually pretty sunny. cloudy and overcast a lot of the time. But, it is. but I didn't know. I'd never been to San Francisco before. I just thought on paper that it looked cool. A lot of my old musical idols uh, romped around there. And 
and it seemed like such a really cool place. And I, I sold everything I owned except for my flute, flute music. And, and I flew out to San Francisco and, um, that trip fully upended my life. I was not prepared actually for how hard it would be to just start over in a brand new market, having nobody know anything about you. And what I found were these street poets and street musicians who every Thursday night, they would get together on this corner of a, of a train station and do kind of an open mic night for anyone that walked by. And uh, I was at an after party with these guys and I was like, man, I think what you guys do is so cool. Next time, I'm, I wanna bring my flute and kind of like the, you know, the record scratched. Everyone looked at me and they were like, oh, man, please don't bring that flute, you know. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'll try to, I'll, I'll do something clever. I'll, I'll, let, me, let me come up with a cool way to play my flute. And I, you know, I've dabbled in a bunch of styles and whatnot. And, and everyone here, they were doing what's called slam poetry. And so that's kind of like a mix between uh, like uh, rapping and performance poetry uh, and uh, and so I was trying to think of ways that I could back up poets and back up people that were rapping and freestyling. And uh, I was figuring out how to beatbox at the time. And I, I was able to kind of slowly put it together on the flute. And I kind of over, I spent two years in, in California. And over those two years, I slowly compiled all these beatbox sounds and was figuring out how to add it to my flute in a performance setting on a weekly basis with a bunch of wildly creative people. And that's really how I got my foot in the door with my beatbox flute style. It was a combination of just figuring out how to do it and having a, a weekly performance space to do it in front of other people. How, um, how easy was it to convince those dudes that, um, yeah, this is different. This isn't boring flute playing, as some people would call it. You, you know, right, right. Well, so... Man, that first week, I, I had people on my side. And, and the reason is, is because, you know, the flute is an awesome instrument and it can play all of this really cool music. And so these guys were like, no, nah, I don't want to hear this Telemann. But actually, if you do a little beatbox, you could play some Telemann or some Bach. And anybody with a pulse thinks that music is really cool, especially if you can play it memorized and in an exciting way. It's amazing music. People just don't want to eat it or uh, don't want to eat it. <laughs> and then they, uh, they 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 don't they don't know that they're gonna like it you know like classical music gets a really bad name sometimes with the youth or hip cool people but it's amazingly exciting music so i had a bunch of tricks like yeah they don't want to hear some fluty fluty fluffy thing but if you play flight of the bumblebee and everyone's like oh my god you just slayed it with all those notes you know you can you could do tricks and you do little beatboxing, little jazz type stuff. And, and actually, one of the great things I, I, I found out working with this group is what we always call to cast a wide net. You know, that like there's so many different styles out there and not everybody likes everything. But if you if you hit all the styles you could think of, someone's going to like at least one of the things you did, you know, mm. and everyone likes different different things. So to keep it on your toes, to learn more about styles uh, and to try to mimic those styles and reliably play those styles is something I found right from the beginning worked really well for me with with these cats. I like that with these cats. Yeah. That yeah. Would, that, that's, I mean, let's face it, if Bach had been around today, he would have embraced it as well. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, if Bach was around today, he would be cutting so hard at jazz clubs. I'm sure he would have the sickest grooves anybody could possibly have. I mean, that guy was a musical master. Any of the great masters, if they're around today, man, I, I wonder what instruments they'd play. You know, keyboard keyboard was the old go-to, but mm. can you imagine J.S. Bach cutting up some turntables or <laughs> making a sweet, you know, EDM yeah. dance chart? Like, it would blow your mind, probably, what he could do. Like, the Bach filter sweep. Watch out. I don't even know what that would be. <laughs> <laughs> so keeping the beatboxing to the forefront can we speak about that inspector gadget video of january 2007 yeah. 19th yeah. of january 2007 now you were working at a grocery store at this time weren't you yeah i was and and so actually i left san francisco i moved with my uh, girlfriend at the time uh, she's now my wife uh, and uh, we moved out to new york so she could go to school and I kind of actually had to start all over again. All my friends, all my poets from San Francisco did not move with us to mm. New York City. And uh, I found a job, yeah, working at a grocery store, unloading trucks and putting up produce and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I got to say, when you work a square job all day long, there's not a lot of extra time to be blowing long tones and scales. <laughs> and it gets, it gets really hard to, like, budget your time because even after the shift, man, you could be really tired and all. Uh, so I figured out that I could bring my flute to work, keep it in my backpack. And then during my lunch break, which you had to take, I could go into the subways and play. And, uh, I was doing this for about a year at the time at that Trader Joe's. I've been working there about a year then I, w I had my subway set, I called it, and it was really locked down. You know, I do it in the evening and I knew exactly what tunes to play in what order to maximize Money going into my case and people having a generally good time. This this set, what I did was I convinced an NYU film student. I, I did some music for one of her projects, and she gave me 40 minutes of time in the studio with her camera. And and back then, the, like no one, there weren't even iPhones yet. No one had cameras on their phones yet. It was still a a big process actually getting a hold of a of a decent camera for filming. And so this was, man, this was amazing that she said yes to this. And I had my whole set ready to go. And I played like 30 or 40 minutes straight right in front of the camera. And I put almost all of those videos up uh, on YouTube. And one of those was the Inspector Gadget video. That was one of my main money makers in the subway back in the day. So like I said, I, I had all this performance practice. I'd been playing this a bunch. I finally found an opportunity. I said, yes, I put it up and for months, nobody watched it. And then all of the sudden, like two or three months later, uh, I got like, uh, I don't know, millions of views in a week. And it ended up on the front page of YouTube. And this was in the very beginning of our social media or internet as we know it now. You know, YouTube used to just have one main page. And kind of if you got your video on that main page, everyone saw it because everyone was at work. And instead of working, they were on their computer looking at YouTube back in the day. Now everyone just does it on their phone. But uh, and so I was working at this grocery store and I, we had this this job at the grocery store where you hold the sign 
to let everyone know where the end of the line is because mm-hmm. it's so crazy in New York City. No one, no one knows where the end of the line is. And so uh, I'm directing people into line, and then invariably everyone's like, "Hey, man, did I just see you playing flute on <laughs> on the internet?" I'm like, "I guess, you know, like I'd put this video up months ago. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess, you know." And I call my lady. I say, "Man, I think I got some traffic on my video." She looks it up online and she's like, oh, my gosh, you got millions of views. And, and actually that single handedly, almost overnight, fully changed my musical path, career, future. Uh, everything changed because of that. I think when I first saw that Absolutely. video, that's when I got in touch with you. I, th- I think I, I saw that video and just made contact with you. It was that long ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I I hung with you. It was maybe eight months, six months later. I'm just looking a lot worse than you are now. Nah, no, nah, give me a break. <laughs> You're looking great, man. I've seen you. <laughs> yeah, I know. So beatboxing, your toolbox or armory, as I prefer to call it, is so vast yeah. now compared to when you became famous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I only had maybe four or five sounds back then, and now I got maybe 40 sounds yeah can, uh, can you give me a, some beatbox improv it's not it's not to come out great obviously because we're coming <clears> down there uh, oh. we're coming down the messenger app aren't we here at the moment but Good How about that? Reef. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, old boy. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it turns out that beatbox is a vocal style, and yeah. they do all of these tricks with their voice, and they use basically what amounts to circular breathing techniques all the time. Uh, and so there are so many sounds out there to learn. And you don't learn them from flute players. You learn them from weird beatbox dudes from the internet. And so that's what I spend a lot of my time doing is pouring over these videos, watching someone blow my mind and then being like, huh, now, now how am I going to figure out how to make that sound? <laughs> <laughs> well, that just, that just blew me away. Um, now, I'd like to talk about this project that you're working on at the moment and then after that i'd like to talk about the process of beatboxing can you tell me about this project which is bringing beatboxing everything you can do in written form can you tell me what you've got planned on this thank you for asking about this i am so excited to announce that i'm almost completed the introduction to beatbox flute book i love yeah yeah it and what it is is it will teach any flute player, no matter what your skill level is, how to beatbox, how to beatbox on their flute. It'll give you vamps and loops and jams and etudes that you can work with your teacher or work alone uh, on the book in a very creative way. Uh, And uh, so for those of you that are looking for ways to jam with it, it has that. For those of you looking for it all written out, it has that. It has a lot of patterns and basic ideas. If you care to build your own jams, uh, you can use it for that too. Uh, And uh, not only that, I'm going to be producing videos that detail every, every part of the book, practically every sentence and certainly every example in the book. Because as important as it is to learn from books, 
uh, sometimes you need to hear how things work in order to uh, figure out how to do these sounds. Uh, and so uh, I am aiming to finish this book in the beginning of August, and I'm almost done. And I, I actually have a Kickstarter that that you can go check yeah. out yeah, tell because us. I'm trying to raise money to get the printing and the cover and the layout and everything all uh, top notch, as top notch as possible. Yeah. So, tell us about uh, it. Tell us about it. Where, where can people find find this Kickstarter? Well, on on Kickstarter and all over my my social media. Basically, since I've launched the Kickstarter, I've just been blitzing this nonstop. So maybe some of you are already like, enough with the Kickstarter. I've already heard so much about it. But maybe you haven't heard enough about it. So uh, you can check out me on Facebook uh, or on Instagram. Uh, you know, my name's Greg Patillo. You can find my stuff. And and I'm t- I'm I'm Look, I'm I'm taking pre-orders for the book, and and hopefully, uh, uh, also I'll be doing something called Patreon, which is like a uh, a service you pay a bit a month, and then you get access to all my PDFs, all my exercises, all the videos, and is like a simple way to stay in touch with what I'm up to. I got so much content, and frankly, this book is just the beginning because after the introduction to beatbox, we got to get into intermediate and advanced too. There are all sorts of other sounds. Now, this book really talks about the bare essence of what it is to make beatbox sounds with your mouth and, and how to do them on the flute. And, and I can talk about them even with you right now. I've gotten really good and clear about talking about these sounds and where they come from. Uh, it's a whole nother level to learn how to do it on the flute. And although I talk about it on the book, I, I can kind of explain it to you now. Yeah, sure. You, you yeah. want to you want to hear some uh, some about these sounds? So like, yeah. So uh, if if you pare down the sounds to the bare minimum, uh, there's like three basic sounds, <clears throat> and it's a bass drum kick sound, some sort of snare sound, and some sort of cymbal sound. Yep. Okay. Yep. And and so um, uh, these sounds. Uh, are their own sound and they're used functionally in a bar. So the bass drum kick sound is done uh, at first with the lips, although it's more about mouth shape and it should be low and bassy. And it sounds like this. And uh, in order to do that, you really have to control your airflow all the way in your mouth, in the back of the tongue and in the throat, you draw air, thick, warm air all the way back and then push it out through the lips. There's no voice. And it's kind of like the first one of, it's the first one of those if you're oh, a brass damn. player. Uh, but it's just uh, it's just the first one. Shall I, I give it a go? And, and yeah, oh, please, can you? Is that it? I think this sounds fantastic. I think that uh, what we're looking for in building this sound is to get it as low as oh. possible. And and so, yeah. And so, kind of let's let's note that with the flute, what we spend a lifetime pursuing on the flute is tone, right? Like yep, our fingers, absolutely. we get fast at a young age, man. You can be ripping scales and playing all these fast notes, which is what we do as a flute player. But it takes years, decades to find a tone that is full and resonant. And I would say similarly with beatbox that the mechanics you get first, that this is a lip sound, and I can mechanically make a lip sound that sounds different. But over time, we want to get that tone lower. And so the exercise to get that tone lower is to do a low one, 
and then a high one, kind of like you just licked a lemon and now there's no space left in your mouth, kind of a, you know, like a really high one. And then you pair that with a low one and a high one and a low one and a high one. And the idea is, uh, yeah. is that we can get it lower and it can have different essences of pitch, even though I'm not producing a pitch per se. Mm. I can kind of make it perceived as higher or lower. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I think you can get your sound a little lower. You care to give it another go? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So a couple of those uh, were definitely lower, and and you know ultimately that's the trick. It's just like when you're in the the flute lesson and your teacher's like, "Do the thing," and you do the thing, and their eyes light up, and they're like, "That was amazing! You finally did it!" And you're thinking to yourself, "I have no idea what I just did. I have no <laughs> idea why my flute teacher is so happy." How am I ever going to practice this? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to be self-aware enough to fix fix this on your own. But but, but uh, you had a couple really good sounds there. I would just note that consistency is the key. Even, and you're not, but even if you were making a terrible sound, as long as you make it terribly the same way every time, you're on a path to success. Yes. <laughs> right, move on to the um, snare. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, so the next sound, next sound, a snare sound. Now, a snare is a little bit difficult to do, so instead I do uh, something that I'll call a rim shot, okay? That's yep. when you take a stick and hit the edge or the rim of a drum. And so the bass drum beats that we did, they function as pulse, you know, one, two, three, four in a bar, or strong beats, one and three in a bar, or even down beats, one of a bar. And the, the rim shots function on the back beat or the off beats, beat two and four of a bar. And so it, this is a K sound. It's done with the back of the tongue. And so it'd be like. Ah. And kind of two parts to that sound. There's the K. And then after the K, we push air through our teeth. And so how you change the shape of your mouth, you can get a different kind of uh, pitch quality, you know, to that. So is uh, the K snare. It's an exhaled sound. You care to give that a go? This sounds much harder, actually, doesn't it? No, that sounds perfect. I think you did it. Brilliantly. That was exactly what we need. Uh, You know, this is a a difficult sound, though, to do on the flute, because if you notice, to do this sound, it's an open mouth sound. Yeah. And last time I checked, we played a flute with a closed mouth. So uh, how do we how do you do that? And and actually, it can be a little difficult figuring out, you know, the gymnastics of closing your mouth on that sound to get a flute sound together. Um, uh, but it totally can be done. I got great exercises to show you how to do oh, that. If you can even believe it. Yeah, oh, uh, I but can let me give you it. a variation of this sound. If, if we got the time, check this out. Yeah. You can also do an inhale K sound too. All oh, right. Well. So I'm sucking in a K sound here. That's hard. Well, I tell you what. Before we do an inhale sound, we exhale. Yeah. And so blow out all your air first. 
and then breathe in the K. There you go. Cool. That's not easy, is it? So, oh, that sounds great. Okay. That sounds great. And and why this is so awesome is that when we play the flute all the time, we're looking for places to breathe. Ah, you know, I've you got it. Breathe, I've got it. Yeah. Breathe musically, ah. but now you can get a breath on the backbeat of every bar. So instead of my voice, if I was using a flute, I could do 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 part of your breath and the beatbox sound gets built into the vamp and so then it's a really easy way to juggle your breath and flute playing versus beatbox does that make sense oh absolutely do you know i've got it at last i got where you bring it in oh that that works brilliantly yeah now symbol symbol Okay, so the easiest symbol is the closed hi-hat, and it's uh, spelled T-S, and it's as simple as you think it is. It's just... Even I give that a try? Yeah, yeah. Ah, aha, there's different sounds, isn't there? Absolutely, and there are, you know, there's just T, there's T with S, there's little F. There's just S. There's like brushed S. There's all sorts of kind of variations on the sound. But the simplest way to do the sound is just TS. And the variation that I talk about in the beginning with this sound is actually exhaled TS and inhaled TS, which is a little lighter. And they pair together. So you do exhaled, inhaled, exhaled, inhaled. So kind of that's a controlled hyperventilating there. I'm, I'm exhaling and inhaled and, and alternating. So why that's important is because the cymbal sounds subdivide a bar, okay? And they yep. fill in between a pulse and all of the, the smaller you know, derivatives of rhythm at the eighth note level and the 16th note level. And so we need them to go really fast. All those hi-hat sounds I'm doing there, I'm alternating between exhaled and inhale. All right, so so here, let me let's put them together because that's the sounds, okay? Um, and and we need a plan in order to sound musical with the sounds, right? Like, yep. b- believe it or not, I know musicians aren't aren't known for this, but but in order to be a successful musician, you have to be organized. You have to organize your practicing, and you have to have a plan on what you're doing. And so, I have some, some very simple musical words to keep it all together. Musical and and you might have even heard this. Yeah, you might. We call them uh, mnemonics, using yeah. words to help us remember things. And so. Um, boots, cats, barbecue are the three words to start beatboxing, okay? And so boots is like... Cats is... And barbecue is... All right? And so if we put it all together, we could get boots, cats... And if we put barbecue at the end, we get Boots Cats Barbecue. All 
right? Is that pretty clear? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know if I could do it. I can give it, shall I give it a go? Let's start even simpler. Oh, please, I want yeah. you to start with another word I didn't even talk about. This is the simplest word, book. Can you say book for me? Book. 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 Yeah, so book. So we got we got uh, strong beat, back beat. Yep. Let me hear that. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. Yeah, that's totally great. Okay. And now we're going to subdivide between each of those with the TS. So book becomes Boots Cats. So book is this. Boots Cats. Does that make sense? Yep. There we go. All right. Ah. ah. <laughs> Boots, cats. Boots, cats. Boots, cats. It's really. Say boots. Boots. Say boots for me. Boots. Yeah. Say cats. Cats. Boots, cats. Cats. Boots, cats. Boots, cats. Boots, cats. Boots, cats. Perfect. Yeah, it's great. That's exactly it. And kind of a great thing about Boots Cats is we're using three different instruments and we're using three different parts of the mouth. We're using our lips to do the B, the front of tongue to do the, the hi-hat, and the back of the tongue to do the rim shot. And so you can isolate what part of the mouth each of these sounds comes from. It's a very different part of the mouth. And, and I find that that can help keep us straight too on, on, on what comes next. <laughs> and I think yeah. for, for someone to actually put it down for everybody to have as a reference point, I think it's going to be such a valuable tool. Yeah, right on. I, I hope it helps. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, I teach a lot of Skype lessons and whatnot. And, and these things, uh, I'm cultivating the things that help the most. You know, I always say that flute playing is difficult there's a lot to learn with flute playing and rarely do i meet you know a 10 year old that can like melt my brain with their amazing flute playing but i meet 10 year olds that can beatbox amazing all the time you know like total youth that have never had a music private lesson and they do all this great beatboxing stuff and so i kind of feel like beatboxing is a little easier to learn than flute playing so you should go ahead and give yourself a pat on the back if you already know what to do on the flute and don't be discouraged if the beatbox isn't coming too quick it's not going to take nearly as long to learn as all of the work you've already put into on the flute now you've taught some very famous classical flute players and and symphony orchestra players principal players how to beatbox how do they find that it um the process to, I, I would imagine that actually enhances their flute playing doesn't it because your throat has to be very flexible oh you know i'm so happy people humor me with getting together and wanting to learn my sounds <laughs> i think it's great and you know i don't really know if you're going to be beatboxing your daphnis solo or anything is that I, I hope to inspire others to just be creative and explore on their instrument as many styles as possible because when you learn something different or something new or come across a new challenge it reinforces what you know so if you know how to get a big classical orchestral sound if you know how to keep the line how to breathe with the diaphragm 
And then you learn jazz techniques or beatbox techniques, and you're confronted with something new and different, a different way to route your air or a different place to put air pressure. I believe it it just solidifies all the other stuff you know, too. And it might make you say, huh, wow, you know, all this other stuff I used to take for granted. I just used my diaphragm. But what does that really mean, you know? And and so I, I just find that constantly growing and finding new ways to play your instrument is always good. And even different instruments. I'll even mention that I picked up the violin about two years ago. And I'm terrible at it. I'm on a 10-year plan. I'm, I'm two years in. So, <laughs> so hopefully I got another eight years to get my act together. But it's amazing all the things that I take for granted with my flute playing that I can just do. I could just pick up my flute and play whatever comes into my mind. You know, like I can just totally play whatever's in my ear on my flute without thinking about it. And then when I try to do that with the violin, I like drop the bow. And so the growth you can get from exploring music from different angles, I'm constantly in awe of. And and so I'll say that to beatboxing, that studying beatboxing, even if you're never going to beatbox, will definitely ex- expand your mind and, and just make you self-evaluate what you do so much more. And I will tell the listeners that it's not just a flute you beatbox on. Cast your mind back. Now, it must be cracking. <laughs> 15 years ago, you were invited by yeah. the great flute player and composer Ian Clark to give a class, yeah. master class at the Guildhall in London. And you saw, awesome. a, you saw a tuba in the background, didn't you? And you just went over, yeah. picked it up and started beatboxing on it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. And like I said, I did the beatbox part well, but I didn't play the tuba very well. <laughs> Yeah, but I think you gave an example that it can be done by anybody and you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. That's right. And, you know, I got to say that I'm constantly amazed, you know, how how long these instruments have been around. And the flute is arguably one of the oldest instruments known to humanity. And people are still coming up with wild new ways of, of playing them. Uh, and I, I personally believe that entertainment is not a dirty word, right? Absolutely. That my job as a musician is to be entertaining. And that doesn't mean like I'm doing a slapstick bit or something, but but like I want my audience to enjoy themselves. And I think that modern audiences like this rhythmic approach. And who knows, in 20 years, people might like something totally different that hasn't even been invented yet. Uh, and that's why I'm encouraging the next generation and the youth to get to work. Man, get on your instrument and inspire me now. Like, I, I want to learn something new. So so figure it out. Yeah, and I always even tell people, like these flutists, you know, they're like, what am I going to do with myself? What am I going to do with my career and my sound? Man, you might be the world's best smooth jam flute player, and you don't even know it yet. And you don't even know what that means. But if you don't explore, if you don't grow, if you don't learn to teach yourself, you'll never get there, you know? And if that means standing in front of a whole room of people and beatboxing on a tuba poorly, so be it. <laughs> now, this is, this, is, this is going to be going out probably after you've made a flying visit to the UK. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pop up and see you in Manchester. Um, we're going to take oh, a beer yeah. or three. And, Sounds good. Um, we're going to talk more about this new project because... I am so keen to get the message out about beatboxing and explore yeah. more of what you are writing and just checking out how far the Kickstarter project's going. Yeah, far out, man. I'm looking forward.
forward to seeing you, man. I always enjoy our time together. Greg Patillo, um, I would normally ask the person I'm speaking to on a podcast how they could find them on social media. But with you, it's really easy. Just Google Greg Patillo well, or Flute Playing Dude yeah. or Flute Playing Guy and a plethora of options come up. Yeah, and I'll say I'll pitch one of my, my platforms these days. I started using Instagram. You have, man, yeah. Check, check me out, man. I'm so youthful. Now, I, I've started putting up a bunch of videos on Instagram, so uh, find me on Instagram. That's something that now I check every day. So uh, I would love to be rapping with you on Instagram, too, and following you. And seeing all of you, what you guys are doing with your music, uh, I'm super curious about what's happening. I hope to hear from you, all of you, online. I look forward to it. And I would say that this gentleman here in New York is the most approachable flute player. And not only approachable, he is motivating, and he wants to hear. He wants to hear what you've got to say. And he's inspirational. So don't be afraid to get in touch with Greg. Yeah, seriously, don't. (laughs) In fact, I even... I, I just put up, well, this is now going to go up later, but I just put up a whole list. This, this isn't even beatboxing, a whole list of scales for you to study this summer, you know, because I've noticed flute players aren't always practicing all their scales. Oh, well, that's, so that's, that's a non beatboxy thing. You could, you could pull right from uh, the internet, man. I, I put up a whole bunch of scales exercises for free because yeah. I want you to learn your scales. So come check me out, man. Have you put that up on your Instagram today? Yeah. Check it out because also uh, I, I added all the chord changes to the scales and arpeggios. Okay, I'll see. Because like yeah. some people don't know what a you know dominant seven flat five is. I don't know why they don't know this, but they don't. But you, don't you don't get now, taught that in lessons. A dominant seventh flat five. No, I don't know. I don't know why not. But uh, it's uh, anyway. All the arpeggios I put up chord changes to. So if you're trying to like figure out how to read chord changes, and I do hope you do, man. Seriously, get to work. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, this will help kind of uh, build your mind on, on how to use scales a little bit better over chord changes. And who knows? Maybe that'll help you jam with your friends a little bit more. I sure hope it does. And we go back to the start. We return back to the beginning <laughs> is that the flute playing is actually can be cool. There is a place yeah. in the classical genre and there is a place everywhere else. And whether you're a classical player, you're a jazz player, you're a beatboxer, the flute is cool. You got it. Greg Patillo, thank you very, very much for taking time out. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of response. And so we will have to do this again. Ah, looking forward to it. Take care, my friend. All right now. Great, great chatting with you, man. I'll see you soon. Take care. See you soon. And that brings us nicely to the end of Talking Flutes Extra podcast this week. Please don't forget to subscribe to keep on getting the weekly pods. Claire returns next week with a look at mindfulness for the flute player. So until then, wishing you a wonderful musical week ahead. Goodbye.
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.